Hi, I'm John Herrick, and I took a lift <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists. You know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. Coming at you from your favorite gym, this is Left of Valley. My name is Kevin and I'm here to pop you up. Joining me as usual is a team devoted to win the Mr. Olympia of Atheism. Even with a damaged shoulder, she curls heavy until failure. Nancy. Yeah, one arm tied behind my, yeah, wherever it's more comfortable to tie. Tied behind your back. That's where it is. <laughs> he might not see how much he bench presses, but it's heavier than the average car. Tyler. I got a cramp. <laughs> And she'll whip you into shape with a combination of kickboxing and Pilates until you crawl out of class. Deb! Hi. Hi. <laughs> guys, welcome back. Hope you guys had a good week. Oh, we did. By the way, that opening where I took a left somewhere, it's just my favorite one. <laughs> as long as it's a left turn, it's... John Herrick. Yeah, but I just love that opening. I still feel bad because I kept calling him John Henrik. Oh. And I think it's because you know the 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 Henrik Henrik Sedin the the, the Canucks and yeah. all that and uh, you, have to, you have to specify the end. I'm John Herrick. <laughs> and I took a left somewhere. Yes, was a wonderful guest. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's like always, most of our guests. Yeah, it's always fun to open up that it gives me it gives me a, a laugh to start the show with. So, uh, Nancy, uh, any news on your car? You want to share that with the audience? Or? Oh, my my car um, is somewhere. In a ditch. <laughs> After it's a joyride, I'm sure. There's been like a reported uh, amount of crime in the area created by a Toyota Matrix and you yeah. know, they've been smashing through windows. Um, and I'm sure. <laughs> I, I doubt whether I'm going to get any of the proceeds because I provided the getaway vehicle. So, no, no, that car is uh, is history. Rest in peace. And I have a replacement car that I'm going to pick up Thursday. Life is good. Excellent. You betcha. Excellent. We're glad to hear that. Yeah. And at the same time, I guess it's there's not much in the news, but except it's week one of uh, having Trump as president-elect. And it's well, it's new. As reporter was elect. possibly a little hasty earlier. We'd like to reaffirm his allegiance to this country and its human president. May not be perfect, but it's still the best government we have for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess we have to say to our Canadian listeners, he's not president yet. He's president-elect. He's, he's close enough. He's close, close enough, enough. <laughs> exactly. So he's gonna he's gonna be taking office in January, right? February. Yeah, January. February? No, no, January twentieth. Twenty first. Oh, twentieth. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's January. Well, it's getting saying, yeah. closer. Okay. So we would still like to extend the invitation to any American down there to come up north on the 49th for the next four years. <laughs> oh, I mean, you, you look at the American news at this point, and it's Trump 24-7. The man can't sneeze without, you know, the, the press. And, and Trump is doing everything he can to evade the, the press and getting his children lined up around him and the worst Republicans he can find. I, I found Cabinet I f- and his advisors. So he's a busy bee. I found out that um, apparently the every move the president makes, whoever, whatever the president is, that there's a, a bunch of reporters who are supposed to follow him. I didn't know that. So yeah. essentially the president really doesn't really have any time to himself or herself. 
No, but it, it, in case something happens, bad or good, they you need the press they, there. Yeah, they they need the press to be able to. You would tell think the bodyguards would be the ones you want to have there, not the press. If well, that were true, do you honestly think that Monica Lewinsky would have happened? Come on. Eh, well, okay. Well, not inside the Oval Office. Oh. As soon as he leaves the White House, or, or Trump apparently was. Uh, went in for the night and they told the press corps, you know, he's in for the night, that's it. And then an hour after that, he decided, no, let's go out for some burgers or something. So he left and then there was a big scandal about him leaving without the press knowing. So, I don't Ooh, know. an oppressive no, government. Oh. <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting because he's spent a lot of time fomenting distrust of the of the press and he's going, he's going to do everything he can to undermine them and try to try to shake them yeah, off. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that most presidents have a an official photographer that documents. Tries, just, tries to make him look good? Yeah. I don't yeah, know that we I could like, put him in a better light. So, <laughs> I mean, it'll, it, you know, as, as the cliche says, buckle up your seatbelts. It's yes. going to be a bumpy ride. In the meantime, Tyler, I'm sure you'll be able to speak about that, about uh, our prime minister's reaction. Justin reacted to Donald Trump being president-elect. Yeah, he didn't exactly name him specifically, but it was pretty obvious because he was going on about how, you know, as Canadians, we can't run on fear campaigns and be prejudiced based on, you know, race and religion and that sort of thing. He pretty much denounced Trump without using his name. So I'm I'm liking Trudeau more and more every day. Yeah, so inter- yeah. interesting. And did you notice, that, uh, Tyler, did you see that yes. um, in Ottawa, was it Ottawa, the alt-right is, is putting up posters, and in Richmond, here in our area, they're putting mm. up uh, hate posters. And, really? Yeah. Oh, I did not see that. Yeah. And that's what worried me about, one of the things that worries me the most about the whole Trump uh, thing going on there, is I'm, I'm hoping we're not going to see Trump-like politics here in Canada. And considering, like, I made a a small prediction saying, you know, remember Kevin O'Leary, the guy from Dragon Den, and he's a bit of an ass, and he wants to run for the head of the Conservative Party that doesn't really have a head right now. It's like, geez, I hope that guy doesn't kind of take what Trump did and tries to bring this here to Canada. I don't think he would, I I don't think he would have the um, the hate, you know, um, promoting the hate toward various minorities and groups. That, that Trump does. I mean, I, I just, I can't see it, although I don't know who it is that's putting up the alt-right posters in Canada. I, I don't know whether they're mm. Americans or whether they're a hate group, but whoever it is, I hope they they are found and, um, you know, receive some punishment. And there also seems to have been some kind of a climb in hate crimes in the States. Uh, so a lot of stories yeah. uh, on social media about people being harassed at you know at the stop in their car and somebody jumping out and using a baseball bat in their car and yeah, they some videos like, and thinking wow is this I hope I hope this is not true right because it it could be fluffed up but well one of the things that I saw this guy said sixty seven or sorry crimes against Muslims have increased sixty seven percent since the election right that he just said it mm. and I asked for a citation obviously I didn't get one of course not. so I looked it up myself and found an article from CTV. And it did say that. From CTV? But, yeah, but it was dated 2014. Oh. Mm. So, okay, that's just being dishonest, saying it's since the election, and mm-hmm. the article was dated 2014. No, so. you're right. You're right. That's but dishonest. people just kind of cherry-picked that thing. But there's the opposite side of the coin, too, which is that there was people protesting uh, outside of Donald Trump's hotel in Vancouver, 
protesting Donald Trump, obviously. I, you know, frankly, I don't see what that's going to achieve. Well, probably nothing, but I wish I got you to read that McLean's article before we did the show today, because it was kind of explaining that it's making people more vocal in Canada that support Trump. Like, mm-hmm. there was um, a progressive conservative. That sounds like an oxymoron to me. But anyways, <laughs> in Alberta, and she's getting death threats because she does support, you know, abortion laws, and she does support LGBT and all that kind of thing, and her own party is not a big fan of her. So Yeah. I, I just hope that I, I, I've been musing that Trump and Brexit is essentially a symptom of a bigger problem and uh, if you find out this week that uh, Angela Merkel is having issues in Germany and so is the president of France I think he's got like a 4% rating we might Trump might just be the first in a series of leaders like that well we can hope that democracy lives and it doesn't become a benevolent dictatorship yeah exactly Well, the only glimmer of hope is that when you have someone like Trump it galvanizes the forces you know, that, that want to ensure the fact that the fundamentals of democracy survive. And it may help to re-energize the Democratic Party in ways that make them stronger and, and more um, receptive. But it, it also galvanizes on the other side, groups. right? Pardon? It galvanizes on the other side, too, right? I mean, the, the, if these reports are correct, these people that are very racist, the KKK and all that stuff, it, they almost feel like they've been given permission now. To come out and actually really express what they feel, and that's a scary thought. Yeah, but I I think at the same time, for instance, I think people who have never contributed to organizations like the ACLU and the Anti-Defamation League and Planned Parenthood, they're suddenly realizing that they're vulnerable, that Mm -hmm. that there's a possibility that those organizations could be censored in one way or the other. And so they are um, giving their support, which means, you know, those who, who value the, you know, the foundations of democracy. I think, really, I do think that that's a good well, thing. It's, it's a good way to stay positive in that sense. It's a good way to stay positive. And some of these members are, that are really, you know, hardliners still have to be confirmed by the Senate. And so there's a possibility they'll be, um, yeah. you know, well, refused. Certainly, well, certainly you have to keep an eye on it. And uh, I guess the message is for a lot of people is you have to stand together. It's a bit like that old that old saying, you know, when they came for Group X, I yeah. didn't stand up. When they came, they for, came group for the y, socialists, and, yeah. Came, right. yeah, and when they came for me, nobody stood up for me either. Right? Well, so. I'm thinking that if anything, it's a catalyst for a higher level of awareness, right, and and more involvement. If you're not going to be present in the moment and be involved, <clears throat> you may get run over. Hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I want to hear about this Germany France thing because my idea here was that it's correlating with the level of education but germany has a good education system and france does too don't they yes but they've also had a massive immigration right they also have massive immigration as syrian refugees in 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 germany and france has had an influx of uh, islamic uh, uh, immigration as well well, well not and, to mention and attacks, polish yeah. and everything else with the opening of the european union well that's not what they're worried about though right like no yeah the xenophobic thing and that's what you're saying is that the uh, president of uh, france or whatever is four percent rating you said right yeah Be- because of the immigration aspect because people are afraid of these you know oh i'm sure there's more to that we'd have to do well, a bit more research what's the germany thing 
Well, and, and, and she, Germany, Angela Merkel has uh, opened the doors. And of course, you also got to take the economic uh, problems of uh, the European Union as well. Germany has been the backer, right, of, of uh, for Greece, for example. They've been the ones giving all the money to Greece. And I think a lot of people are saying, you know, all this is coming to head. The immigration, the economic aspect, and Angela Merkel seems to be in a bit of, a, in a bit of trouble right now. Well, I mean, okay. So, I mean, the education system being good is fine and all but they don't really go into those details i mean if you think about it logically speaking you got all these terrorists in these quote-unquote brown countries and then these people come here therefore more terrorists that seems like it makes logical sense to your average kind of joe and i thought that too so obviously i looked into it and it turns out all the refugees that have come from syria and whatnot to the united states not one of them has been deported for any crime-related things. Yeah. So everything Trump was saying is absolute yeah, bullshit. Well, you got to remember, you're, you're still you're doing the same mistake we always do as atheists. You know, you're asking people to reason. Yeah, that's what I'm facts, saying. Yeah, that's, ev- even yeah. in politics, people vote emotionally. Yeah, I'm trying to find out what the cause is because then fear. you can... Well, lack of... of it, lack of education is what, what causes the fear, right? Fear, yes. yeah. But it's the lack of education that causes it because they're not... They don't teach... In school, they don't teach you why racism doesn't make scientific sense. They don't teach you why sexism doesn't make scientific sense. So people read shit like, the human brain is bigger. Okay, and then you become a sexist prick. Or you read some stuff about how black people have a lower IQ because of all these horribly done scientific tests, and then people become racist based off that because they're not teaching that kind of stuff in school to debunk it, right? That's probably a huge, huge cause. That would be my guess, anyways. Well, economics too. People, you know, who who have to compete for jobs, uh, if they're competing against someone of another race and another bring, race. Bring your mic closer, job. dear. Yeah, if, I'm the, if the other, um, if another race gets the job, that adds to the prejudice and yeah. the and the fear. And then if you get a job and suddenly your supervisor is of a, a different race, it just exacerbates. You know the the fear and the loathing, and it um, then you get the American South. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the 30s, and in, unfortunately, some in, in the 40s until World War Two. But well, anyway, we're not discussing that today. We'll take that for another show. I've got to keep us on schedule here. Nancy, you ready to go? I'm ready to go. Okay, let's go. All righty. Here we go. This day in history, which is a roundup of those events and individuals that altered and illuminated the dates between November 14th and November the 20th. November the 14th has a, just a wonderful name of a uh, a holiday, an observance. Uh, it's called Readjustment Movement Day in Guinea-Bissau. <laughs> And I thought, what in the world is Readjustment Movement Day? I mean, it could be physical, it could be mechanical. You know, what in the world was it? So I looked at Guys it up. are adjusting their shorts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, we do that on a daily basis. Yeah, so I looked it up, and it commemorates the bloodless coup of 1980, led by um, a fellow whose last name was Bernardo Vieira. And in Guinea-Bissau, um, Guinea-Bissau officially gained independence from Portugal in 1974, and the country's first president was a fellow named Louis Gabral, and he was the leader of the African Party for the Independence of Guinea and Cape Verde. Well, by 1980, economic conditions in the country deteriorated, and the population eventually grew dissatisfied with, with his government. So on November the 14th in 1980, uh, Vieira overthrew Cabral and suspended the Constitution. 
Is this sounding sort of like something we're thinking about here? Anyway, Vieira appointed a council of the revolution that ruled the country for four years. The faction that led the coup called itself the Readjustment Movement and promised to correct the mistakes made by Cabral, such as social development agenda and human rights violations. However, it didn't really happen. It wasn't completely successful. And as of now, the political situation there is very unstable, and no president has ever served a full term. <laughs> you know, when they say bloodless coup, I'm reminded of that old Simpson joke. He says, yeah, we had a bloodless coup. It was all smotherings. Okay, November the 14th in 1889. Have you ever heard of a newspaper reporter whose name was Nellie Bly? Nope. Okay, Nellie Bly, um, real name was a lady named Elizabeth Cochran, and she was one of the first investigative reporters. In journal and, and a woman investigative reporter, which set her apart from all of her male counterparts because she had to work twice as hard. Of course, yeah. Yeah, to to achieve half of of uh, of what Bunch what her male pigs. Were. Anyway, she set out from New York to beat the record of Jules Verne's imaginary. Uh, hero Phileas Fogg, who traveled around the world in 80 days. Oh, nice. So she, she in left. 79 yeah. and in heels. And he, back where he, <laughs> absolutely. So on November the 14th, and with two days' notice, she boarded the ship Augusta Victoria, which was a steamer, and she began her 20, little over $24,000, I was going to say $24,000, her 24,000-mile journey. She returned 70, 72 days later to a tumultuous welcome in New York. So that started wow. her career. So as a writer, she focused her early work for a newspaper called The Dispatch on the the plight of working women. This is almost a spotlight. This woman was phenomenal. So she wrote a series of investigative articles on women who were factory workers, but editorial pressure pushed her to the so-called women's pages to cover fashion, society, and gardening, and she was just miserable there. So she took the initiative and traveled to Mexico, to serve as a foreign correspondent there. This is, she's 21 years old now. So at 21, she spent nearly half a year reporting the lives and customs of the Mexican people, and her dispatches were later published in book form, which is called Six Months in Mexico, still available. And when Mexican authorities learned of her report, they threatened her with arrest, prompting her to leave the country. So she left the uh, the dispatch for in, in Pittsburgh in 1887 for New York. So she was penniless after four months of being in New York. But she, this girl had grit. She just had determination. Four months before she yeah. was penniless. Yeah. So she talked her way mm-hmm. into the offices of Joseph Pulitzer's newspaper, The New York World. This this is when people really realized who she was and what she was capable of doing because she took an undercover assignment for which she decided to feign insanity to investigate reports of brutality and neglect at the women's lunatic asylum. Can you imagine She's being, dedicated. Yeah, can you imagine being sent to the women's lunatic asylum? This is not bode spot. well, uh, you know. Well, I've been sent to a loony event several times before, but... Yeah, <laughs> so... She spent a night before she left practicing deranged expressions in front of a mirror. 
And so she checked into a boarding house and refused to go to bed, telling the boarders that she was afraid of them and that, you know, they all look crazy. And so she created this whole um, persona of, a, a, of an insane woman so that they would send her to the lunatic asylum. And they did. She was committed and she experienced all of the horrible conditions that the spoiled food, undrinkable water, patients tied together with rope. It was awful. And so there were rats in the hospital. It was it was horrible. So she um, spoke with her fellow patients and she took notes where nobody would would see that she was she was a spy. And she was convinced that some of the fellow patients were as sane as she was, but they were just, you know, thrown in there either by relatives circumstances, or circumstances exactly, or, you know, um, uh, being committed, uh, you know, uh, for behavior that, you know, was wrongly diagnosed. So anyway, she was there for 10 days, and they released her um, because Joseph Pulitzer's paper said that's enough. She, she needs to get out of there. So she wrote a report, and the, it was in published book form called Ten Days in a Madhouse, which caused a sensation and brought her lasting fame. So she did all of this, and um, she uh, actually got a, um, uh, a trial where um, the New York Department of Public Charities and Corrections was given an $850,000 increase, so she substantially improved um, the situation there. So that's Nellie Bly, and you know she's one of those women that yeah, you know, like you, a pioneer in investigative reporting in some she, sense. She she really she really was, and in her twenties. You know, and, and th- in those days, really something. They need to make a movie about that. Yeah, there might have been. It would be wonderful to see a documentary of that. November 18th is Independence Day in Latvia, and in 1978 was the Jonestown Massacre. Ooh. Do we all remember the Jonestown Massacre? Well, I don't quite remember it. I was kind of young. But. Yeah, that was when uh, Jim Jones called upon his fellow um, don't drink the Kool-Aid. to drink the Kool-Aid, mm. which we still talk about today, the cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, and he encouraged them to drink it or be destroyed from the outside. He was afraid that they would come in and, and destroy his, his kingdom. And, and um, it was horrible because they had a group that did come in and they unfortunately saw 913 people who were, were dead from, from wow. drinking the Kool-Aid and committing suicide. I, I like to use that story, especially when I'm debating Christians about the history of Jesus. You know, say you have no problem believing in the story of 2,000 years ago, but if I tell you about people that, on camera and on video, and you can find these videos, will attest that Jim Jones did miracles. Yet you won't believe that. Right? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of videos. Anybody that would like to look up Jim Jones and the history of why people say, "Are you ready for the Kool Aid?" Yeah, you know, yeah, it's exactly. a good thing to do. He was apparently an atheist. No, really? Yeah, it says it on Wikipedia and a few other places I looked. I was in a debate with whoever the hell it was, and they said he was actually an atheist. He didn't believe any of that shit. He was just using it for his own advantage. And I looked it up, and according to his wife, Jim Jones's wife, he was never a believer. He was just using it to get his own power. So wow. I was like, well, a, shit. <laughs> yeah, just a demagogue, you know, crazy yeah. for power. Yeah, exactly. Well, he started out really good. Like, they were doing a lot of, like, socialism kind of stuff, right? helping people and stuff and then next thing you know it's you need to sell the farm and give me all your money and come to my island and 
all this crazy shit. Jeez. Yeah, they called it religious communalism, I think, at the time. Maybe that's what we need to do here, left of the valley. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Start and, a whole church. Yeah. I'm, you know, on that note, <laughs> usually I like to leave on a high note, but that every day in history is different. And so that was it for November the 18th. And that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. And while we go get ourselves a little drink of Kool-Aid, we'll be right back right after this. Interested in a particular topic? You ever wonder where we find all this information? The Common Sense Canadian is a forum for critical discussion of the key issues shaping our world today. Water, energy, food security, and how we manage our resources to the public benefit while preserving our environment. So go to commonsensecanadian.ca. It's uncommonly sensible. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Centre. Please visit our website for more details at bchumanist.ca. It was this point of mystery, and in gets invoked God. This, over time, has been described by philosophers as the God of the gaps. If that's where you're going to put your God in this world, then God is an ever-receding pocket of scientific ignorance. When you're gone for a And we're back. So our next guest is a friend of Tyler's, Robert Butler from Louisville, Kentucky, an atheist activist. Robert, thank you so much for being with us today. And I'm so happy to be here. Excellent. And uh, now you got friends in Canada, so that sounds great. By the way, uh, we've been authorized by the... Uh, Prime Minister, that uh, to offer asylum to any Americans that wants to come north of the 49th for the next four years. That sounds right. <laughs> but but in return, you have to get us down for the Derby and give us uh, box seats so we can <laughs> we can enjoy we can enjoy the Kentucky Derby when it's on. And some right. bourbon. And, and some bourbon. bourbon. And the bourbon. Yeah, we'll the bourbon. We'll, we'll we'll trade some Canadian whiskey for some uh, some uh, Kentucky bourbon. How's that? Well, I do love Canadian whiskey. Huzzah! A man of quality. Hey, excellent, excellent. We have a deal. Robert, for, for our audience that might know or not be familiar with you, can you give us the Reader's Digest as to who you are? Okay. Uh, well, I grew up in a very religious household uh, and was basically taught creationism for all intents and purposes. You poor man. Maybe, 
I know. Uh, every horrible argument you can think of for creationism, I personally made. And I made it believing that it was true. I was one of the deceived, you might say. And uh, I started realizing that when I got to college and found we had an interesting fellow come and give a lecture to my biology class who looked a lot like Charles Darwin. He was actually a biology professor. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stump this guy. And I couldn't. <laughs> uh, I realized how much all of a sudden that I did not know. So I started digging into all the things that I had been taught and found that absolutely none of them were in any way true. Uh, now, I wasn't exactly hostile to religion at that point, and I didn't give up the religion that I had been brought up with right away. Uh, Which was? It was? I was raised with Southern Methodism which is a pretty conservative branch of Christianity. I mean, obviously, there's some variations there. Uh, when you grow up in the American South, you can have two churches of the exact same denomination right across the street from each other simply because they differed on one single point of doctrine in one line of the text. And you're not playing with those kids. <laughs> what are you guys what? talking about? Religion has been nothing but a unifying force throughout the ages. Come on. The sarcasm is strong with you, Mike. <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> do or do not. There is no try. All right. So uh, I didn't immediately give up my religion, but uh, that was not long in coming. Uh, when I realized just how wrong everything was that I had been taught, I didn't abandon theism, I abandoned Christianity, step by step by step, which was pretty much capped off with the understanding of how the Bible was assembled. I realized there was nothing divine about it from start to finish. Uh, I was still very passive about the matter. I became a deist and gradually drifted into agnosticism and eventually atheism. Uh, what got me to the point where I became an atheist was a story that I had written, a short story about a man who had lived with a monster that he could not get anybody else to see, but it constantly tormented him. And he was trying to prove its existence, and he couldn't. Uh, and it slowly drove him insane. And I had a moment of revelation, if you'll pardon the play on words there, <laughs> when I realized that that's indistinguishable from the God concept. And uh, not long after that, I happened to see an old rerun of Cosmos with Carl Sagan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that was it. It might have been something else, an interview I read with him, time doing what it does to memory. Uh, but I remembered his little dragon riddle, with the dragon yes. in the garage. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uh, now, I wasn't hostile to religion at that stage. That would come later. I still thought that even if it weren't true, that it was like Aesop's fables, and it could provide a positive influence in the world. It turned out I was wrong about that, too. I've had to change my mind a lot over the course of my life. Uh, but that's what you do when you care about what is actually true. And uh, I gradually realized how dangerous and poisonous and corrupting and all-round bad religion and its influence could be. I thought that though my teachers had taught me poorly and that I had learned things that I had thought were wrong, I didn't realize how pervasive it was. Uh, that began to change with the rise of Facebook and social media and more news stories getting around. 
you know what they say, the in the internet is where religion goes to die. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, all, it's also where you go to find where religion goes to show just how bad it really is. <laughs> yeah, that's an understatement. And I remember there was a point where I had never heard of men like Kent Hovind and Ken Ham. And, uh, what's that fellow from New Zealand? Uh, Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. But that yes. man, Ray Comfort, yes. Yeah, I, had, I didn't know these guys existed. I got... Their writings without knowing it was them. I'd been read stuff in Sunday school and things like that, but I didn't know where it came from, and at the time I didn't think about it. Uh, but when you go onto the internet, you see a guy pretending to have a doctorate, like uh, Kent Hovind. We do not speak his name. Got his from uh, basically a trailer park. And you see them presenting information that you know is bad, you realize just how pervasive these frauds can be. I got the Church of the Basement Dragon page started almost as a gag. Who am I kidding? It was a gag. I thought it would play out over a couple of days. Uh, A creationist had challenged me to disprove God. So remembering the whole thing about Carl Sagan's dragon, I posited a dragon in my basement, since I don't have a garage, and said, disprove this. And I started making up characteristics and attributes and said, can you falsify this? And I got to watch him basically burst into flame, which was truly satisfying. <laughs> which is perfect when you have a dragon in the basement. That he oh, would burst absolutely. Into flame. <laughs> yes, I started making up attributes. Uh, for example, my favorite beer is Arrogant Bastard Ale. It fits me perfectly. It's named <laughs> for me. And I made up things like, oh, the dragon is always drinking my beer. The absence of beer in my house means that the dragon exists. That is evidence. <laughs> 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 that's beautiful and of course uh, yeah. the, 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 the biggest uh, thing as well as this person was obviously shifting the burden of proof onto you yes uh, which is a classic fallacy it's one you encounter all the time prove God does not exist well prove that Princess Celestia is not real prove He-Man oh, wait, is wait not a minute real. Pr- Princess Celestia is not real well much to the disappointment of bronies everywhere <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Now, uh, on top of becoming just an atheist and, and of course, giving the runaround to a lot of the creationists, you decided to take this one step further. Yes, uh, I started writing satire uh, and posting it onto the Basement Dragon Facebook Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash basement dragon. Uh, I started with Genesis 1 and rewriting it. I created a character that I named after my son who passed away a few years ago. Uh, it was named Gabriel. And uh, Gabriel played the role of the intellectual and moral foil to an incompetent, idiotic, and moronic, and outright evil God. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed writing it, and I have to admit, guilty pleasure on my part, <laughs> watching Christians tell me that I'm going to hell over and over again. Houston, we have a problem was kind of satisfying, because to me that also reveals a degree of the moral character that I'm dealing with, that they will threaten you with eternal torture, threaten you to keep you silent, to try to censor speech, uh, intimidation tactics. Of course, to an atheist, threatening someone with hell is like a hippie threatening to punch you in your aura. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. 
<laughs> you could also be buried with a fireproof suit or something like that. That would probably help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I deal well with with warm temperatures and a great deal of heat. Uh, if I, I ever did go to hell, favor. I'd get kicked out for telling the devil to turn it up. <laughs> I always return the favor with saying, I'm glad they're watching me. I'll hold the door for you. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. So anyway, uh, I started doing these writings, and uh, then it branched out. I started using the Facebook page to store resources and information, and I started adding photo albums. Uh, I started an album that I called Faithful Frauds. There's a lot of liars for Jesus out there, or liars for Muhammad. It seems to be just those two religions, for whatever reason. Gee, I wonder why. I don't know. I haven't you know, heard any liars for Buddha just yet. I'm not <laughs> saying they're not out there, but I haven't encountered any. <laughs> so Fraudulent happiness. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's a lot of falsehoods that go around about the founding fathers and the, the founding of the nation. For example, one of the common myths is that on the Supreme Courthouse doors, you will find the Ten Commandments. Well, that's not true. You do find the Roman numerals 1 through 10, but those are not for the Ten Commandments. That is for the Bill of Rights. Oh, that's interesting. Nice point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now there is a representation of Moses in there, but there's also a representation of Muhammad, a representation of various lawgivers throughout history. Now, whether Moses existed or not, I don't think he did, but in terms of historical accuracy, it's not really the concern. The fact is, as a historical lawgiver, in some sense, that's how he's represented. It has no religious connotation. So debunking these myths uh, became kind of a hobby, and I debunked a lot, a <laughs> lot. Uh, and then I started albums recording various moral failings, people talking about how much harm they want to do to atheists, how they want to establish theocracies, or what's acceptable to do to women who happen to not believe, or that it's okay in the words of one religious figure. I want to say it was Pat Robertson. He said you should beat children until they believe or at least until they respect the religion. That is totally Pat Robertson, yes. Yeah, mm. I remember that. And then he says the atheists are not fit to raise their own kids. Yes. The irony is and then, so you have, yeah. then you have a man like William Lane Craig. Don't! Who is one of the most immoral men I have ever read. Uh, he wrote, for example... And it's on his page. Uh, I screenshotted it in case he ever removed it. But on his page, he states about the massacres that the ancient Hebrews supposedly perpetrated, that we should not feel bad for the murdered children or murdered pregnant women, or especially the murdered infants, because they got a ticket to heaven. Instead, we should feel bad for the people who had to execute God's order. <laughs> That's like saying we wow. shouldn't feel bad for the people who died in internment camps. We should feel bad for the SS guards. Yeah, That's they had to pull the trigger. Horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a special kind of moral abdication to write something like that in all seriousness. <laughs> I, I saw that kind of argument in reverse. There was a Christian arguing basically to make abortion illegal. And I don't know if it was an atheist or whatever. They said, well, what's wrong with abortion? You have an abortion, and boom, the baby goes right up to heaven. Isn't that a good thing? And the Christian was just like aghast, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. You know? It's the same argument. 
Well, unless you're Catholic, so me, and then the of course the baby thing, until thing. it's christened has assumed all the sins of the mother, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds very Catholic. That's outside my. I, I'm not overly familiar with Catholicism beyond the basic history and some of the assembly. Now, uh, one of the things that I've always wondered is if God hates abortion so much. Why does he keep sending babies that he'll know will be aborted? I guess I'd never really thought about it that way. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Is he not that smart? I mean, that's just reading the text that's all about him doesn't seem all that bright to me. Yeah, every every How's October every October around here there's always a church protesting abortion in the in the area here. And I usually walk up to them and I say, Well, what do you guys think of numbers five eleven? Which is, of course, the abortion spell yeah, in the yes, Bible. That's well, where it has the the bitter drink that the bitter water, the right? Abdomen to swell, and many Bibles. I'm not sure how many different translations, but I've seen at least one or two actually annotate inducing a miscarriage, which is abortion. Yeah. Some don't have it. Some do. But oh, the denialism that I hear about that. Oh, absolutely. Beyond. <laughs> okay, so I wanted I wanted you to talk about your page. I think you said once you got like a thousand members, you actually did some uh, charity stuff, right? Oh, well, to celebrate getting a thousand, I donated uh, enough money to pay for a round of vaccinations. I used UNICEF, and I thought that was nice. So yeah, that's you know, fantastic. You're paying yeah, money. You're yeah. pa- actually paying money to spread autism around the world, then. <laughs> Yes. Totally kidding. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> the comments of Tyler, not necessarily those of let the developers in underdeveloped countries. <laughs> so you you actually how how much? I'm not going to ask for a number, but was that was that expensive for to give a donation for a round of vaccines? I mean, uh, no, that wasn't expensive. That was only uh, I want to say fifty bucks, something Woo-hoo! like that. I, I don't recall. It was a while back now. I'd have to pull up the UNICEF page and take a look. I'll let you do that research later if you care. Uh, but no, that would seem like an appropriate thing to uh, to do. Something good had happened to me. I hit a landmark in the number of readers, and I wanted to celebrate it by doing something positive. Wow, that's uh, that's that's pretty cool. And now I feel like a lazy bastard because I've had my own groups for years and I haven't done shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, I didn't want to interrupt you, but no. but yeah. So I, I basically met Robert through some people who have been teaching me science over the last few years. Friends of mine, Jerry Haynes and David Povey, and uh, they they were looking for members for this uh, Church of the Basement uh, Dragon Facebook group, which is is wonderful. Absolutely, they don't have completely crazy people. They're you know kind of in the middle. You know what I mean? And uh, I joined there and met Robert, and he does these awesome kind of walk and talk videos where he goes on like a 10 minute nature walk and you know picks a topic one of them was a biogenesis that was a really good one there was another one that was about uh, solipsism i think that was my favorite one you guys will have to check that out i think i sent it to I you i watched that one. Oh, did you did you what did you think mm-hmm. oh it's great you got perfect voice for it and he's going around pointing out all these different nature things or at least so i'm told anyways mm-hmm. But he makes oh. makes some the water really water is cold and clear. Yeah. <laughs> it is water. Oh, and it, it felt actually very very good. I can't believe how comfortable it was given the time of the year. So what what is your underlying goal here with the group and the page and all that? Like, well, I guess you could say uh, I'm building a brand. I'm getting into this much more seriously than I initially did. Originally, it was just for fun. I thought I'd entertain myself for a couple of weeks, but I've come to realize how 
vital the work actually is and how many people are lacking in uh, scientific resources, scientific education, uh, rhetorical arguments, or the ability to pick these arguments apart. And uh, I think the world could use another voice for that. And uh, that's basically, I guess you could say, was my fundamental goal. The truth matters to me a lot. What I, what I will say, my parents taught me very well, is to value the truth, whatever it means. And I guess they didn't know that what they were teaching me was false. And so now that I know that it's false, I may have abandoned the religion, but I have not abandoned my love of the truth. And one of the things that outrages me more than anything else is lies. I really, really, really hate lies. You can't handle the truth. You know, it's 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 great to see that uh, progress you've made because, um, you know, I think atheism really took a, a turn for the more popular when, of course, the the four horsemen came out, right? But mm-hmm. even these gentlemen, I mean, uh, Hitch is dead, Dawkins is up there in age, and so is Dennett. Uh, Sam Harris should be around for another while more. And then there was a second little generation of people, you know, the Matt Dillahunties, the Seth Andrews, mm-hmm. that started pretty much the same way you did. And mm-hmm. now you are coming in, and hopefully we wish you all the success, and we'll try to push you as much as we possibly can with our little show here. But you are maybe in a third generation, uh, to use that word for lack of a better term, continuing the fight and bringing something else, yet you have a very similar pattern of how you got into it. So that's a very interesting point anyway i thought i think it is uh you know there's nothing so guaranteed to make someone a dedicated atheist as understanding their own religion <laughs> uh when you come to understand just how fraught with horror that it is in the moral aspect in the scientific aspect in any in any conceivable way there's no positive to it Sure, it sounds sweet and it sounds nice. You get to go into the afterlife and see your dead relatives and whatnot. Uh, Just because something sounds nice, that doesn't make it true. And the harm that you can do by believing things that are not true in the world that you actually live in isn't worth that trade-off in any way that I can imagine. Well, that kind of reminds me of your solipsism walk and talk because you were saying, you know... Maybe this is true. Maybe that's true. You know, maybe you're actually living in the 31st century. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. And you're in school and you're, you know, doing a history project. So they hook you up to a computer and you live an entire human life that takes, you know, 80 years. But it really only takes 15 minutes in the real world. Whoa. That sounds pretty damn good to me, and I would love to believe that to be true, because obviously we have a natural fear of death and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, and then you'd be able to live multiple... It sounds great, but I don't believe it just because it makes me feel better. Wait a minute. My particular life right now is the possible hologram of a futuristic gamer? You're in the Matrix, Miss Anderson. Oh, my. Yeah, well, you might actually be a boy and not know it. As you can see, we've had our eye on you for some time now, Mr. Anderson. I probably Living out a woman's life? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and then my fantasy was always that you could come back, right? Like you live your whole life and then be like, you know what? I want to go back to being 12 again and then mm-hmm. do it. Do the same life, same person, but do it differently, you know? Yeah, and then you just got to press rewind. Like, what, are, what are those books called? Choose Your Own Adventure or some shit like And it sounds great, and I really hope the simulated universe matrix idea is true, 
but I don't believe it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes me it feel was, better. Uh, you know, Aaron Ross said something in one of his videos. I don't recall which one it was, but he said that it seemed like they did not, they being devoutly religious, creationists and whatnot, don't believe things in the same sense that we do. When I say I believe something, I'm saying I believe something to be true to the greatest degree that I possibly can. But he had had people tell him that they don't think something is true, but they believe it anyway. It seems very strange to me. And I recently encountered this myself. I was having a discussion on abortion, and I did a lot of research for it. Uh, I was really looking at the pro-life side of things more than anything else. But I found just how many things that the pro-life side had said that is just blatantly false. So I did some digging. I found the percentage of abortions that happen uh, worldwide and how they change, whether it's legal or illegal, uh, how it affects mortality when it's legal or illegal. And I did all this research, and I presented it to this woman, and she said, well, you know, all your information looks right. Uh, It looks like you're right about everything, but my church teaches this, so I have to stick with this because God's truth is higher than man's truth. There's no different truths. There's either something that is true or it's not true. It can't be both. If this is true and your religion teaches this, then you're wrong. You're believing something that is wrong. I don't know how someone can actually do that. I think think most of these Christians uh, have a tendency to substitute uh, the word belief for hope. Yeah, that's what they really I do. I hope right? this is true. Yeah. Well, I ha- I ran into the same thing with the abortion thing. I completely destroyed this person with showing that there's no real difference in the amount of abortions where they're legal or where they're illegal. The only thing that increases is mortality. Yeah, the women, safety, yeah. the mothers, the safety. Thirteen percent. Yeah, the mothers, the safety and stuff. And his his response was good. They deserve to die because they're killing babies. I was like, Yeesh. Uh, okay, what means to an end here? Look at the conclusion. You're killing more people. Pro-life? Yes. No, anti-choice, thank you. Mm. Yeah. There was, there, there was even, like, like you said, you see the immorality of people you know, when it's Facebook and stuff, but there was a recent episode, not a recent episode, but one I saw in the atheist experience where they were pointing out to this guy that God doesn't do stuff, you know. God sits. God sits there and watches a four year little four year old little girl get raped, and the guy on the phone's like, "Well, yeah, but she probably did something to deserve it." And Matt yeah, Dil- so Matt Dillahunty was like, "Fuck you," and he hung up on the guy. And I was like, "Good job." Uh, talking yeah. about moral high ground as a Christian, my ass. Yeah. Well, the moral high ground in in reference to pro life. Most pro lifers aren't pro life. They're pro birth. That's right. Unless you're going to take on a whole bunch of unwanted children. Yeah. Right? Or help or help a mother who has found herself in a way that she does not want to be because she can't afford to be there. Yeah. All those reasons. You're not pro life, you're pro birth. And yes. that just leads that's, to that's a whole excellent other way to put massive it. travesty of, of you know, the the um, population explosion here on earth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> They're Robert, just, I can, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, just imagine, like, forcing a woman or whatever, a couple, to have a baby they didn't want. How well are you gonna, are they going to treat that kid compared to a couple of people that actually wanted the damn kid? You know what I mean? I would not want to be born into that situation. And, and recently in, in Robert's group, we were kind of breaking this down. And the majority of abortions is because people just can't handle it financially. It's more than 60% is strictly because they just live 
below the poverty line. There's people who would lose their jobs uh, or they're in the middle of school. That's They can't take care of the kid and you want to force them to, you know what, perfect the adoption system, <coughs> the orphanages yeah. and whatnot. Fix that first and then maybe yeah. we'll look at it. I would yeah, there are two, to uh, two aspects statistics. to this. Yeah. Uh, the first that is, interestingly enough, as you may or may not be aware, crime has gone down over the years. Now, let's be honest, nobody is having an abortion because they're happy to be pregnant, uh, that they want to be a parent. Uh, so the kids that would have grown up to commit these crimes are instead the ones who are being aborted because they're not being had to incompetent parents. So I keep on using the word I, plurally. I think that the majority of abortions are being hap- happened by women who feel that they're not in a union. If we can't handle well, it financially, too, the, right. the couple can't handle it financially because one or the other is not willing to step up to the plate, right? Or they just or, can't. Or, or they just can't. Yeah. Or just exactly. not, not a good enough job. Or I can't. Uh, either way, you know, somebody is not prepared to have a kid. They don't have it, so they don't raise it badly, so it doesn't grow up to rob people on the subway. Yeah. Right. I think the study you're talking about was Romania, where they finally re-legalized abortion. And within one generation, the crime rate absolutely plummeted, and they couldn't figure out what the yep. hell happened. So they looked back, and they're like, the only difference, right. the only difference here is we legalized abortion. So we're not forcing all yes. these poor people to take care of kids they didn't want and they run you know and i mean kind of a recipe for creating a criminal right yep hmm. nothing's going to make a criminal as certainly as a parent that doesn't want to be one right <laughs> so I, I wanted you to talk about the book that you're coming out with ah uh, yes reflecting on the death of god uh this has been a very intense project uh let me put it this way there are over 10 pages of just citations alone I researched uh, neuroscience, psychology, history, uh, biology, chemistry. I did a lot, and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, It basically takes us through a number of different stages, uh, through what religion has to offer people, uh, why it came around in the first place. Uh, Let me give you a a short chapter list. Uh, There's In the Beginning, which talks about the origins And I pose a hypothetical. Uh, Let me read you a short excerpt from it. Sure. If you'd like. Now, in the beginning, I doubt there is a man or woman born in any modern nation that does not know those three words. I'm sure it's even been heard in many an underdeveloped nation, carried forth by missionaries, aid workers of all stripes. And unfortunately, what follows those first three words is not an enduring, evidence-based description of how the universe came to be. Nor are they followed by useful directions on how to improve one's lot in life. What follows can only be described as the superstitious, magical presumptions of an age when nobody even knew that the Earth was a planet. And if the entire subject of this chapter were summed up in any way on its own, why religion? Uh, They didn't know any better. It isn't difficult to imagine how these beliefs came into being. To help yourself understand, go out into the countryside, into the forest and field where no people live and no lights illuminate the darkness. While there, turn off all electronics, shut off the lights from your flashlight, phone, or any artificial source, and listen to the sounds of nature. After a time, start a small, a small fire. Watch the shadows dance, and now imagine that you are not the product of a modern world with a modern education. 
Instead, you are amongst the first humans ever to walk the world. You have no education. You are illiterate because nobody had invented writing. You know nothing of science. Even the idea of cause and effect and the if-then relationships that you take for granted are foreign to you. Try your hardest to see the world as they saw it. Is it so hard to imagine that they saw spirits and shadows, ghosts and echoes, gods carrying the sun, or imagined mythic heroes holding up the sky? If you're like myself, or at least have as vivid an imagination, you can feel a twinge of what they did, at least. Perhaps you felt a sense of awe at nature. Perhaps you felt a curiosity that compels you to ask, I wonder why, for some small part of it, or even for all of it. And if you got that far, perhaps you're still wondering, well, why religion? Simple. What you felt in that short span of time before you returned to yourself as a modern man of modern mind and modern knowledge, they felt every hour of every day. There was nowhere for them to return to, only the endless sky and endless field of view. They shared all our traits and including our needs. And what needs? What do needs and religion have to do with one another? Well, Maslow crafted an elegant outline for the hierarchy of needs every human being has, which he assembled as a pyramid. The concept is that needs at the bottom are fulfilled. It is our nature to seek to fulfill the needs at the next level above. And then I go into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Sounds like a very interesting read. Sorry? Sounds like a very interesting Where read. Where is this book available? Yeah, I think people people begin to absorb information best when they can put themselves in, physically in, in someone else's shoes to see someone else's perspective. It's, it's a wonderful way to get the mind to open without prodding it. Your mind automatically opens up as you begin to, to view it from another perspective. I think that's a brilliant way to start out, it sounds like the, the rest of it is going to be a fascinating read. Deb was asking where he sh- you can find the book. Or is it out well, yet? Well, it it's going to be released in a few weeks. Okay. Uh, I have Perfect. a couple of pages I've decided I wanted to add in retrospect that I left out. Uh, so as soon as I'm done with those, which should be tomorrow, I'll be submitting it for publication. And hopefully it'll be out by Christmas. Excellent. And I'll be happy to come who's, back on the show who's, 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 uh, when it's ready for publication. When it's... Uh, released, and uh, we'll be about maybe promoting it some then. That'd be nice. Great. Help boost it up a bit. Being published by who? Caught me in the middle of a drinking my coffee. Okay. <laughs> <I haven't... laughs> say that once more. Who so is your publisher? Who is it being published by? And that was oh, bourbon. Well, Don't fo- fool us. We're in Washington. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've submitted it to a couple of different agents, so I'll see which one I hear back from. Uh, I did get one rejection already, which was disappointing. But it was a hand done. It was a customized rejection, so they say that's a positive. Uh, a friend of mine recommended just going straight to self-publishing and skip the whole pain in the arse. Uh, but I haven't decided whether or not I'll let go that route or not. Uh, from when it comes to self-publishing, it's unless you got a PhD or in, in some kind of a technical bachelor or something. People are less interested in what you have to say. So. Well, then there's a whole marketing of, and you, yeah, you, you know. Yeah, then you have to do everything yourself. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, one of the one of the really interesting publishers these days is Pitchstone. They they like um, um, books that have to do with exploring religion and um, you know, 
various should, points yeah, of should view, be fine philosophy. As, should be fine as long as you cite all your sources, which he obviously did. The Evolution mm-hmm. of God by Robert Wright was fantastic. He's a, a PhD evolutionary psychologist. It's mm-hmm. kind of similar. But I actually had this conversation with my almost six-year-old yesterday. We were talking, and I said, okay, imagine you're a caveman, and you're you know looking at a tree, and then lightning hits it, and it catches fire. You're going to be, what the hell was that? Like, this shit's trying to kill me, you know? And then you go on from there, and you're scared of it. So what do you do? You try to placate it. You try to appease it. You try to, you know, give it stuff. You know Offer I mean? the tree yeah. water, and yeah. it won't catch fire. Well, you, you, <laughs> you end up sacrificing people and children and stuff to these gods in the sky for a good harvest. You live to regret this! And it really does make sense. You tell your child that children were sacrificed? Yeah. Tyler, yes. that's abuse. That's the way to keep him in line. Mm-hmm. Ah, what can you do? <laughs> <laughs> you better be doing your homework we'll or you know what happens. We'll make a non-believer out of you, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, she, she's very well aware of what has happened because of religion and various other things. And that's what happens when you're not scientifically literate is you do stuff like that, especially out of fear. Because she asks me, why do people believe in God? And then, well, I have to kind of tell her, right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. you're going to get so many notes from her teachers. Yeah, you got to put them all in a book. It's going to be fascinating. Robert, before before we let you go, i got to ask you one thing. Uh, um, the Ark Encounter. You're in Kentucky. Please give, give us your thoughts on that thing. <sighs> well... There's no positive thoughts, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, I haven't been out to see it. I was actually thinking I would take my daughter to it. <laughs> so she could see what right does not look like. Yeah, it's like 40 and, bucks to get in there per person. Yeah, well, you know what? From They had a, a, a publication come out. I, wanna, I can't remember what site it was on, but claiming that it was doing very, very well. But I don't believe that. I don't think anybody has uh, shown, say, a screenshot of the parking lot full of cars. The town itself has not benefited from the park the way they thought they would have. And I can't believe they underwrote it as much as they did. Uh, They basically subsidized millions and millions and millions of dollars. And the state gave them a tax break of $18 million. Why? Just absurd. Well, from the state... From the state's perspective, I will grant this much. The concept of bringing in tourist dollars. If it brings okay. in more money than it costs, it is a for-profit entity. From the state's perspective, that was a rational thing to do. However, a scientific and moronic it otherwise is. So what I'm hearing here is there's two opportunities for tourism in Kentucky. You can either drink bourbon, put on a big hat, and bet on the ponies. Or you can go and look at the Ark. Or you can go visit KFC. Oh. <laughs> but, you know, I will say Kentucky actually does have a lot to do. I really enjoy being here. I love the city that I'm in, too. I've lived all over the world. I take uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and never look back. It's an island of sanity it's in a, a sea of madness. It's a beautiful city. It really is. Well, Robert, this if people want to find out more about what you're doing and your book and your release and all that, where can they go? Well, the Facebook.com slash Basement Dragon page gets daily updates that has new content. Uh, But I also have the group where I talk about the things that are are coming up in the immediate future. Uh, And, uh, well, there's also the charity. We haven't gone into that yet, have we? Well, let's do it then. Okay, let's do that. Well, uh, to celebrate hitting the 1,000 mark, which we're 
rapidly closing in on in terms of group members, uh, we're going to be opening up our own charity service, uh, which is called BD Giving. All right. Now, uh, it was going to be initially that I would just take up a little, some donations from people and donate it to something useful. But as per usual, when I start one of my projects, it has rapidly grown beyond uh, original intentions. And uh, I've really thrown myself into it. And now I've filed for state registration. I've got a bank account set up. And it's going to be a full-time, full-operating charity service. I developed a different model of donation. I call it the Mountain Valley Accrual Method. Now, have you ever heard of Kiva? No, I'm afraid not. Okay, they do uh, micro-lending to needy areas and needy individuals. Helps them buy equipment, pay employees, hire employees, uh, stock their inventory, something they can use to serve their community and better take care of themselves. Now, the concept is that as I take in donations, I will make these uh, micro-loans through Kiva, which is a four-star rated charity, uh, to things that the to individuals that the group votes upon. Uh, as these are repaid, which are repaid at 97% of the time, uh, I'm still continuing to take in donations. So not only do I have originally the money went out coming back in, but I also have additional donations coming in at the same time. So I'm continuing to build that mountain. Once it reaches a peak, which is to say around $12,000 or so, uh, I will undertake one very large project. Uh, looked into the water project, which you can underwrite an entire well project in a water-deprived area for $12,000. When there's enough in, I'll undertake a very large project, plummet it back down to zero, and now I'm at my valley. It starts all over again. So there is an accrual process, lots of small amounts of good helping individuals around the world, culminating in one massive project, and then starting all over again. Uh, the website for that is already up. We can't take donations just yet. I got the bank account set up for it the other day. Uh, but it was late in the day and the tech service wasn't available. So that'll have to get set up on Monday. Uh, but when that's done, that's basically autopilot. Just take stuff in, disperse it, recollect, undertake a large project when it's ready. I don't need anything from it. And it works out for everybody. Excellent. Excellent. You're going to send us the, uh, the links for that so we can post it in the uh, show notes? Sure. Excellent. Yeah. I would certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much, Robert, for all your time today. We really appreciate your generosity uh, with our show and everything. Uh, before I let you go, can I get you to do me one more little favor? As long as it's not singing. Yes. No, no, no. It's very easy. All you have to say is, hi, I'm Robert Butler, and I took a left at the valley. Uh, hi, I'm Robert Butler, and I took a left at the valley. And that was our friend Robert Butler. A new generation of atheists, somebody we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on for future shows. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate your, you being here with us. Coming up next week, we have an atheist from Facebook, Damien Mary at Hope. It'll be interesting. This is a story about a trucker who actually became a full-time atheist. It'll be interesting to talk with him. Around the 10th, we have, uh, we'll be talking about St. Paul with our friend David Fitzgerald. David Fitzgerald returns to the show. And uh, we'll talk about St. Paul because we don't talk 
a whole lot about St. Paul. We talk about a lot of the Gospels, but we don't realize how much St. Paul had an influence on the modern-day Bible. And the 17th, we have our Christmas special. Uh, somewhere in the following weeks after that, we'll do probably a top 10 of 2016 of the Left of the Valley show. And next year, we'll be starting out pretty much with a bang as we're approaching our 100th episode. And we'll be talking to Jenny Rustemeyer and Grant Baldwin. Talk about food waste. Make sure to join us. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you to all my co-hosts being here with us today. Until next time. Intelligent people can reach the conclusion that all non-believers are evil. What a fucked up statement. Do you realize what you're saying? But according to your book, this is how your God made me. Skeptical of anything that contradicts history, denies evolution, hates science, promotes mystery. I'd rather see the truth than to bask in my own ignorance. Rather be alone than surrounded by damn idiots. As long as there's a breath in my body, you can bet your last Culture, only true on a regional scale. Science is universal. Or you can say that Horus isn't real, but Jesus is. Or Zeus, Thor, Mithra, Vishnu, you don't believe in them. I think the reason is apparent. You do what you're told and believe in the God assigned by your parents. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance, and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claim. Something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Something to be ashamed.